I think I pressed record. The clock is ticking. Yes, <laughs> we are amateurs and we are damn proud of it. This is the Lucha World Podcast. One on one, Vandal Drummond and Alfredo Esparza. It's the first show. The first official Lucha World show. Fredo, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. We are in the Lucha World we're, headquarters. We're splitting up the two podcasts. Since the other one, we never talk about Lucha Libre, so. Yes, this is true. What we are doing is, uh, when we first started doing Slam and Stam, uh, we were intending to do a lot of focus on Lucha Libre, and it has evolved into a whole entity unto its own, which we enjoy immensely. We have a lot of fun doing Slam and Stam, but we really want to do an extra podcast that focuses on the world of Lucha Libre, and... So this is the first official Lucha World podcast. If we don't fuck it up. Sometimes. If we don't totally fuck it up, I got to tell you. Um, <laughs> so as Which, we... As, it, it might happen, you know? You never know. Based on what we just said, if we put this on iTunes, we cannot say it's a clean podcast because we just said we might oh, fuck worry, it up. It's, it's, it's a mature audience podcast, so <laughs> I picked that out. Awesome. Very cool. So yes, we're still doing Slam and Stand because we, it's like, Slam and Stand is like having one big party, a big pop culture party that covers everything from wrestling to freaky movies to freaky music and roller derby. Roller derby. And we have so much fun doing it. Uh, But we really want to get our lucha in too. So let's start with the big story this past couple of well, for the last two <laughs> for the big story, of the last two months, Sin Cara, Sin Cara, who has probably garnered more uh, more news as regards to a luchador in America since Alberto Del Rio, and he actually gets a lot more ink in newsletters and such than Del Rio does because he's whether it was intentionally or unintentionally, made a lot of waves. And he's still a mid-carder to boot, too. Yes. Just imagine if he ever amounts to anything in WWE, what might happen? <laughs> it's so true. Do you know what's going on with him lately? The latest? Well, the, the okay, the latest I heard, I was reading the SmackDown report today, yeah. and I read that he had a match with Daniel Bryan. Which, Pretty good match. Pretty good match. And at the end of the match... He gives Daniel Bryan a soccer kick to the head. That's almost telling the story that we might see a heel, Sin Cara. Yep, he's turning heel. The now, it's and before you continue, before you continue, it's the other, the Sin Cara and SmackDown was um, Unico. Oh, it was. Yeah, it wasn't the other Sin Cara. It's still not. Oh, you didn't know? No, I didn't know that. I thought okay, Unico still isn't Sin Cara. Okay, he was Sin Cara in certain house shows, supposedly. But I don't, I'm starting to think that might not be the case because um, a lot of people can't seem to tell them apart. Oh my god, it's so <laughs> confusing. So, 
<laughs> so wait, <coughs> Rob Bihari, um, he tweets something about um, Sin Cara, poss- uh, and then he mentioned it could be Primo. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> so then I got confused, and I thought he meant Primo was going to be a Sin Cara also. So then somehow I ended up confusing Rob Bihari, so now we don't know who it, the hell's going This is so confusing because Sin Cara seems to change identities week after week, as does the uh, status of Mystico slash Sin Cara in WWE. Well, okay, here's the funny thing is it's actually disappointing that it's not the original who does the heel turn only because you remember how I felt during that brief heel run in CMLL? Mystico was a heel supreme, amazing heel. It was great. Oh, man, and when they pulled the plug in it, I just wanted to pull my hair out. But see, I think... I mean, I'm I'm thinking he's gonna come back as the babyface in a Sin Cara versus Sin Cara feud, but which would be know, cool. You never know with WWE because I guess they they just this is this is gonna be something that's gonna be ongoing for the next. I, I don't mean, think anybody knows. I don't think any, not even WWE people know what's going. Yeah, on. the inside story is more fascinating than the story they're presenting on TV. I I saw a. Uh, it's Hunido, right? Unico. Unico. Man, why can't I get his name right? Just three syllables and I keep forgetting it. He's only had like four or five different names. Oh my god. Okay, Unico. (laughs) I saw his match with Tyson Kidd, and anybody who knows me, I'm the Man, I have the worst uh, facial dyslexia or or body dyslexia where you could put somebody else under a mask and it'll take me a while to realize, hey, that's not the same guy. Now... You couldn't tell him apart? No. With Unico, I could tell. It was so obvious. And the two things during that Tyson-Kidd match, I noticed, were obviously his flying moves are... Limited. Limited. And not nearly as poetic as Mystico's. I mean, Mystico is so poetic as, as far as a flying wrestler. And the other thing I noticed is, while, um, while Unico's moves were not half as splendid as Mystico's. Flashy. Yeah, half as flashy. When he sold to the audience, he seemed more comfortable selling to a, the audience the way an American audience yeah, you, would did, want. Did, you didn't watch the SmackDown match, right? No, I did not. Or the Raw match. I think you wrestled. The Raw match. I, uh, the Tyson Kid one's the only one I've seen. He had a dead crowd. Really? Yeah, the crowd's dead for, I mean... Which speaks... They, 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 they pop for the, for the entrance. Mm-hmm. But then, like, they just die during the match. And then, like, I think they'll they'll pop for certain things. Because, I mean, it's WWE crowd. I mean, a guy can do a, fl- a flip to the outside and people will be like, oh, that's the greatest thing ever. Because yes. they don't do it. There's not a lot of guys who do that in WWE as, you know, they have a lot of limited movesets on the, in WWE. It's true. And, it, well, it also speaks a lot for the original Sin Cara because that guy gets pops. Yeah, yeah. and but you, I, you could tell right away that this guy doesn't have the star. No, not at all. Not he, at all. He could get the trampoline thing right, right down pat. He has that down pat. But um, <laughs> he's not... He's just missing a little bit. I don't... Yeah, no, no, I don't see it. I don't see it going over. Uh, you know, I think... I'm not it, sold on it. I, I, I hear back and forth whether they're going to keep the original Sin Cara or whether they're going to let him go. The thing is... They it, won't let him go really soon, though. That's what I was thinking. Now, we've been hearing for over a month that, oh, they're definitely going to let him go. But then we hear him staying. See, and, but they, they can't let him go because they're going to go to Mexico. Yes. And if they let him go at a, Like, I'm sure if they decide to let him go, they'll let him go right at, like, at a certain point where they're not going to be in Mexico. But, I mean, right now, if they let him go... 
I'm guessing he's going to have like a 90 day thing. Mm-hmm. And you just don't want to let him go at a certain point where, because like, I think if they would have let him go in August, it would have been close enough where it would have, you know, there would have been something mm-hmm. going on. You know, could have debuted in CMLL or AAA or whatever. Plus, but I think he's staying. Yeah, I think he's staying too. One of the, well, two reasons. One, there's that kitty audience that they've garnered because of him, which they have not had in a long time. They sell his mask for 75 bucks. I yes. Mean, come on. And, you know, I, I've heard that. I've heard different things. I, we, I've heard he's arrogant in the dressing room, but I've also heard... He's arrogant in the dressing room. He's been that way since... He's always been that way, yes. But I've also heard he's also just not too accustomed to... You know, the thing is, a lot of times, because like, I know like we've, we, you've seen it with Mil Mascaras also, mm-hmm. a lot of the arrogance is due to the fact that there's a language barrier. And um, I, think, I think that kind of has a lot to do with it, where he's probably not going to go up front and say hi to everybody. Yes. Because he's a little bit more timid, you know, just well, because of the language thing. You know, you're not just going to go, hey, what's up? Or Yeah, exactly. You're, you know you're not going to be able to carry a conversation. Yeah, I mean, you don't dicks, know these people. There, there are dicks who will shake your hand. Yes. There are jerks who will shake your hand in wrestling. And also, WWE and a lot of promotions have put up with people who've had much worse hissy fits than what we've been hearing about. <laughs> they put up with the Hardy Boys, I think. Yes. Yes. Did you read about that? Yes. That just when you think you've heard it all, and you that alone, I I think I would never book Matt Hardy for no sure. way. I, I mean, I I wouldn't even give a crap about that guy anymore just for playing that. That's one of the that's lowest things. That's like the not at thing. all. That's like these guys. I think they kind of <clears throat> grew up idolizing Brian Pillman and all those guys who were like into the shooty type of stuff. But I mean, Brian Pillman, I think knew how that there was a certain limit of what he could get away with. Exactly. I mean, Brian Pillman was legitimately a loose cannon, but you know, he knew what he he knew there were limits. Still, I don't think he would Twitter, "I'm going to commit suicide." You know, it's (laughs) although we don't know because he died too. too He died young. He wasn't around. He wasn't around during the Twitter era, which seems to drive make wrestlers a little bit nutty. Well, also, I, I remember. Shortly after he passed away, Dave Meltzer wrote something in The Observer, you know, and he was a really close friend of Brian Pillman, but he wrote something to the extent of how irritating it is that people idolized that he was legitimately a loose cannon because, yeah, that looks, you know, that looks cool to the casual observer, but the guy left behind two kids, yeah. uh, you know, a wife, you know. Maybe somebody should have, like, talked to him a little sooner. Yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, it's just, I don't know. But, yeah, the Matt, the Matt Hardy, uh, you know, contemplating suicide yeah, on, so, I mean, <laughs> not on Twitter, it was YouTube, right? Yeah, he put it on YouTube. It was, yeah. like, it was like a little video on YouTube where he wrote that he was going to, that this was going to be the last time you'd hear from him or whatever. Yeah, it was like this really long, drawn-out thing. But I, it turned out to be fake. Right away, they that's amazing. It, but it's the, it just. I mean, you don't joke about you joke around about that stuff. Exactly. It's just so. I mean, they you have these guys like Matt Hardy. Well, I'm pretty sure I'll bet you anything, he'll get a job in TNA or WWE again. But then you'll get like this guy like Sin Cara just because he doesn't. He's not perfect. He doesn't shake everybody's hand. Mm-hmm. He's not gonna get. He, <laughs> he runs the risk of losing his job. I mean, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I could just I, couldn't you just see the reasoning at, at like a board meeting, like, like, well, the guy's like an alcoholic. He's uh, OD three times. He's, he's got arrested. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but he shakes your hand. Yeah. <laughs> but this guy, this guy, he shows up on time, 
And he shows up on time. He doesn't shake everybody's hand. Because apparently there's there's some sort of... He, he speaks a different language that we don't understand. <laughs> and maybe that's a problem. Maybe we should fire him. Yeah, exactly. And then the steroid thing. I mean, come on, seriously. Like, how many of these guys don't use steroids? Oh, look at these see, guys jacked to the gills. See, I, my stance with steroids is this. Like, you can't judge these guys. Because a lot of these guys can't really do anything else. Mm-hmm. So if, you, if this is your profession... And taking steroids is your way of moving up in your profession. I mean, you that's when you... It's up to that individual to decide if he really wants to gamble with his... You know, if, I agree. If, if that's going to help him. I agree. Him, you know? When I was, like, in my 20s, I, I naively thought, oh, they got to stop steroid abuse, yada, yada. But the simple fact is the genie is out of the bottle. Yeah. And you can do all the testing you want. You're not going to catch ever, anybody... And, you know, I think it's obvious to people that they're catching who they want to catch yeah. and they're letting go who they want to let go. I mean, let go. You, you just watch. You watch on SmackDown in HD. <laughs> Jesus Christ. What Anabolic they, HD. What, what are they taking for the red in their bodies, the, the orange color? <laughs> I know that's a tan. That. Yeah, yeah, a natural uh, tan. Yes. I'm from California. <laughs> well, no, it, 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 and it's also funny when you hear, when you... Well, I remember once doing a kid zombie show a few years ago, and they're talking Hoofentude Guerrera. Yeah. And at one point I say, why do indie people still book him? They know his rep. And whoever was his co-host said, but he's such a great worker. You have to use him. I'm going... No, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. I mean, you can have the greatest uh, dancer and singer in the world, but are you going to have him play Sweeney Todd if he's going to... Uh, uh, perform, you know, songs from Godspell or something. You <laughs> <in> know, <a laughs> I want to do it my way. Yeah, you know, it's 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 kind of. I don't know. I mean, at some point, you kind of have to put your foot down and decide whether or not you really want to deal with that person. Yeah, but I mean, some of the stuff, like the Sin Cara stuff. I mean, it's like it just seems like. I mean, if this guy, I, I kind of, I don't want to make it sound like it's a race race thing, but I mean, it kind of seems a little weird that this guy is getting thrown through the. It just seems weird to me that, I mean, how many of these guys failed drug tests? Randy Orton, how many times did Randy Orton fail drug oh, tests? Oh, easily, I'm sure. And I'm certain a lot of guys have failed drug tests yeah, that we don't know yeah. about or they haven't been given drug tests yeah. or something. But, I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I actually agree with you on that. I even remember, you know, before his suspension, you know, hearing a lot of uh, the Smarks commenting about, like, well, he doesn't really understand how to work. He doesn't understand how to do this. People aren't popping for him, which was bullshit. People were popping for that guy. Yeah. Whether he's your kind of wrestling or not, if he's well, getting over and like he's selling a, merchandise. It's like when people rip on him in front, when he wrestled in Mexico. I mean, the guy drew yes. large attendances. And I go, you can't really argue against what he could do in the ring. I mean, you could say what you want about how he can't do the same stuff that Blue Panther or Negro Navarro or Black Cherry or all these really great workers. But, I mean, how many people go to go watch them wrestle? Exactly. Compared to Mystico. Exactly. If, if I had a guy who only knew three moves, but everybody wanted to see him. Hulk Hogan only knew how to do the what, <laughs> leg drop and the back break. And people were, he was like the largest, he drew a ton of people. I mean, John Cena. John Cena doesn't yes. really do a lot. I have no qualms with John Cena being pushed to the top because he's getting over. He doesn't hurt people in the ring. I mean, he, I mean... I dig John Cena. You know, whether you agree with, you know, what interview he was fed to do sucked or not, if he's getting over, he's over. Yeah, his interviews suck, though. Yeah. 
you know, CM Punk, the luckiest guy in within one week, within two days, he went from possibly facing um, Great Cully and Kevin Nash. How did you do this? <laughs> to not wrestling Great Cully and then not possibly not facing Kevin Nash on the pay per view. I was gonna say I heard about him facing Kevin Nash, but I didn't know about the Great Cully. Yeah, he was supposedly booked to face Great Cully in the SmackDown Spectacular, whatever it was called. Super SmackDown, yes. or what they called it. Ultra Super yeah, Mega so they, SmackDown. Yeah, so all of a sudden, he's he's he, they 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 had um who's it that wrestled them? Kali versus somebody else. I can't remember who the other guy was, but oh, Sheamus. That must Sheamus. have been interesting. Poor Sheamus, you know. I, I mean, I always thought Shawn Michaels was a great wrestler, but when I thought he is a great, great, great wrestler, was. He's the only person I've ever seen who made Great Collie look good. How about Shawn Michaels? Speaking of guys who are total jerks, Shawn Michaels, yes, the biggest jerk in the business, and he and people still gave him a pass every single time. I mean, the guy was practically an asshole the entire time. I mean, I'm pretty sure he didn't shake everybody's hand all of it. Yeah, and and unprofessional where he would walk out on shows if yes. the crowd you know he was throwing stuff he, at him. Did he lose his smile? He lost his smile so many times. <laughs> Brock Lesnar, he's shooting prairie dogs. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> what? come on. I didn't even Did wait. you see that? The, no. There's a YouTube video where he's shooting prairie dogs. Oh, Him and his brother are just shooting prairie dogs. I don't know if it's real or not. Oh, my I'm God. I'm guessing, I mean, they can't fake yeah. prairie, killing prairie dogs. <laughs> but it's like, these guys are all fucked up. I mean. Yeah, this is true. This is true. So hopefully Sincara does make it back. I hope I hope he thrives. My my wish is for him to thrive. My wish is for CM Punk to get Wrestler of the Year in the Observer Awards. No, and man, come on, Averno's gonna get that. We'll get to that later. He's though. deserving of it. Yeah. We'll get to Yeah, that. we will get to that later. Avernal rules. We should take a break. Let's take a break. Okay, we have returned. The next subject just so people know I'll throw in some like music in between <laughs> or maybe not it doesn't matter to me how this sounds as long as it works as long as it works exactly as long as you can hear us well the next subject is the arrival of sting who is going to triple a yeah what's the story behind that well they announced it on twitter um, dorian Ro- dorian roldan announced it yesterday on twitter that he's going to be in um Triple A's next big show, which is Heroes, Immortal Heroes, mm-hmm. Heroes Immortales, and he's the big surprise. He's one of the big surprises. Apparently, they're going to have another one, but he's the big he's the big one that they announced. And this is actually going to be um, his first Sting's first time in Mexico, which is actually going to be a big a big it's a big deal. I'm trying to remember. Sting, first, Sting's first time in Mexico. This is going to be his first time. And I'm thinking of Ric Flair. He never ever wrestled in I Mexico. Think, has yeah, he? we were discussing this. Like I think on, um, I think it was in Cubs fans page or on Twitter, and I think it was like in the mid '80s. Oh, he has. Yeah, because oh. I think there's a story about him um, leaving. He was gonna. No, he hasn't. I don't think he has. But he was gonna go, but they couldn't um, come up with the uh, the right amount. Okay, yeah, because I remember hearing something about him being scheduled, but he yeah. never actually made an yeah. appearance. It's probably one of those magazines that we that you brought along a long time ago. Oh, many I should years probably ago. Look, I'm going to look through that stuff one of these days <laughs> when I'm not doing DVDs and all this other stuff. Well, because 
the UWA shows in the early to mid '80s, they had everybody who was anybody in America. Yeah, because I think shows. I think Flair was going to wrestle for UWA. Was he going to wrestle for UWA or CML? That's how I recall. I recall yeah. it being UWA because CML wasn't big on bringing those guys. No, in. well, those I remember when I used to get Lucha Libre magazine every week in the early '80s. You know, more fun than any story was just looking at the lineup of the weekly UWA show at was it the Cuatro Camino? Yeah, Torre de Cuatro yes. Camino. Yes. It was like a who's who of, not a who's who of Lucha Libre, it was a who's who of wrestling. Because yeah, because you had all the Japanese, the Americans. Yes, Americans, you'd have Stan Hansen, uh, Pat Patterson yeah. on some of these shows. That's in one of the covers that, of the magazines you brought along. That's right, yes. Yeah, I framed it. Yes. That's one of the framed... Um, I, I would have loved to seen Patterson work in Mexico. I know, seriously, that's something we had to. I wish I could find in, on DVD. Or that something. would be sweet. That would be like the Holy Grail right there. Japanese women, Devil Masami. Yeah. Uh, Lola versus um, was it Ajak? Um, not Ajak. Um, Monster, Monster Ripper. Motor? Monster oh, Monster Ripper. Ripper. I actually saw Monster Ripper wrestle Lola Gonzalez in Tijuana. Oh, really? In I believe it was '89, and. Man, I was really sad when I heard of her passing. Yeah. Monster Ripper. She was. What was. She wrestled under the name of La Monster in Tijuana, and she was awesome. She was a great heel. You know what I was going to do since we were talking about Japanese wrestlers? Mm-hmm. I just figured I would just throw in Tatsumi Fujinami. Like, if I didn't know the name, <laughs> Tatsumi Fujinami. <laughs> when we're talking about women, it, it wouldn't work with women. The old Gordon Soli trick. The old Gordon Soli trick of if you don't know a Japanese wrestler who's wearing black trunks names, he's Tatsumi Fujinami. And it was Ring Fujinami. Wasn't it Ring Fujinami? Was it Ring Fujinami? Ring Fujinami. <laughs> that was the name that they gave him in Japan and Mexico for some reason. I, I saw it because I was, I was coming up with this idea for um for this other project I was thinking of doing. Mm-hmm. And, it, and I was thinking of names, and I thought, oh, Ring Fujinami, there's a name. <laughs> I could figure out a way to mess around I want to be his turnbuckle, I mean, his, his boy, am I messing it up? <laughs> great, I blew my great line. I want to be his tag team partner, Turnbuckle Drummond. No, there you go. <laughs> you know, the, the, the other one was um, Andre the Giant, who was also wrestled in um, CMLL also for EMLL. Did he really? Guadalajara. Guadalajara, that's in the new footage I found. Wow! Yeah, he he worked. A, it was a handicap match where he's. I think I can't. I can't. I didn't watch it yet since I was just editing it out um, to sort it out. But it was him and somebody else versus like three three heels or something. So it's like wow. You know, it's one of those basic heavy handicap matches. He was another guy, and this was when he was athletic, not when he was like all broken down. Because the broken down stuff's already been available for like the longest time. Wow, I'd like so to see that. Yeah, it's that right there. You want to see it now? Yeah, okay, you guys are going to have to listen to us watch a wrestling match. We're not going to narrate it. I should just gonna... play, we, we should just play Lucha show, the Lucha matches while we're watching. We'll do play-by-play. Play. Yeah, there like, you go. Oh, there you go. Look at that. My, there's two math, mathematico, mathematicos, too. Is there really? And they weren't even the first one. It was two and four. No way. Was there a three? There were, I don't know if there was a three. Yeah, well, there's two tagging that was two and a four. When I was a little kid and first bought the Lucha Mags, that was the wrestler that intrigued me the most. Yeah. El Matematico with all the numbers on his mask. That just blew my mind. Yeah. It was, you know, Lucha has always been such a beautifully surreal... There's a lot of good stuff. So, I mean, I don't know, like Sting and... Triple A, getting back to Sting. Yeah, I'd say getting back to what we were talking about. We're, trying, we're starting to talk about UWA. We're, we're pulling a slam yeah, and stand on yeah. ourselves. Uh, 
Well, there's really not a lot to talk about Sting in Mexico because he's really hasn't he hasn't been there ever. So I mean, and then like if this was in if this was like in 2000, if this was like in 2000, I think it would be a, a, like a bigger story. But like in 2011, he's been in TNA for like the last 10 years. It's like somebody's like working on a car. Yeah, we, yeah, we hear a car self-destructing outside. You have to pardon pardon us here. Yeah, I, well that. It's interesting the TNA involvement with AAA yeah. in the first place. I, I guess that's why when you talked about Sting going there, it made me like go in the way back machine to Ric Flair's potential performance. Uh, you know, because Can you imagine Ric Flair versus Paraguayo back in oh, that time period, or Ric Flair versus Sangre Chicana dream match, Satanico. Yes. That well, would be the sweet. heavy Sankaras or Ryo, which probably would have been. Well, Rick, hey, well, Rick, Rick Flair. From what I understand, yeah. Ric Flair needs money, so. Yeah. Uh, Nowadays, now, he's, he's available. He's he available. can wrestle Mil Muscaras. I'd pay to see it. I, I think, would pay to see that. You know the funny thing? Because I think a lot of people were talking about like the you know pay-per-views and all the stuff that's coming out with Lucha. And people are always trying to think work rate only. Mm-hmm. You realize Mil Muscaras versus Ric Flair would probably sell better than any of that other stuff. Yes. It would. It would. I'd pay to see it. I think a lot of people, people, a lot of people who are into solely work rate in lucha libre, or in wrestling, or in any, any style, they undervalue like nostalgia and all this other wacky shit. They do, and I mean that would actually do really well because the the things that do really well are like the nostalgia and title versus title things. Yes, that's the stuff that people really are marked for. So that's why I think Mil Moscas versus Ric Flair in 2012 should happen. That would be, you know, that seriously would be great because Ric Flair, Moscas would love wrestling somebody like Flair because, you know, Flair will sell like crazy for anybody and he does it so beautifully and Moscas loves somebody who sells for you like crazy. You imagine who... Who would be in charge of taking care of Ric Flair in Mexico? <laughs> poor guy would be like, the poor guy would actually have to be like, oh my God, Ric Flair's crazy as fuck. <laughs> oh Lord. But um, you know, yeah, you know, Sting to me, like this would have been a great story ten years ago. Right now, I'm like, because er, every story I hear about Sting nowadays is that he's horrible in the ring. That's what which, I hear too. Which sucks because I mean, he's going to AAA, and it's like there's a lot of guys who. I mean, if he's put in with the wrong guy, he's gonna. Have the, that's gonna be the shittiest match in the in the history. It could of, be a disaster. Yeah, I, I have to you know profess my ignorance. It could be for, cybernetico versus ele- electroshock level bad, or like something like that. <laughs> electroshock versus anybody bad, you know. Well, you know, while we're on AAA, uh, a side note question I have is: I heard there. Their lack of uh, television here in the states has to do with a high definition issue. Yeah, but I don't know what that. I I mean, it depends on who you ask. Because I think some people say it's that, and some people say it's because it's they. It's just a. It's just to show that the this, the television people here. Mm-hmm. They're just not as into as in, as the lucha in CMLL. Interesting. I think CMLL fits more what people think of as lucha libre, whereas AAA is more of a. It looks more of an yeah. Americanized type of... It's more like a Puerto Rico type of wrestling promotion. That's a good way of putting it. I, I mean, I, I will say I enjoy watching AAA, but I do fast-forward through a good portion of it. When, and when it was on. <laughs> when it was on, yeah. yeah. I, I haven't seen it in... It's been a few months now, Yeah, it's been like... It? I think it's been, what, three months now? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm not on fire like, oh, I have to see it this week, because when each week I would watch AAA, I... F- it felt to me like I watched something so similar to what I watched the previous week. 
Yeah. And there's so much time spent on entrances. Yeah, they're cutting that. I've noticed they're cutting that off on like certain shows. Because mm-hmm. I think even the television show, when they're because they're doing like a one hour show, and they Lord knows they can't cut out the commercials. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's like, they have all this like they they've been cutting into the, the as the match is getting ready to get going. Yeah. And do the intros. That the the. Uh, I'm okay. I'm okay with sometimes because I mean, how many times can you hear, um, Sean Paul's song uh, for Black Warrior or that, that Queen's <laughs> Right or yeah. Iron Maiden? That's not even Iron Maiden. What is that Scorpion song? How many times can you listen to that thing yes. all the time? I I mean, the the one entrance I love seeing each and every time in CMLL is La okay. Peste. Yeah, because they have Zach. You know, they have Zach yes. Arias. Did you? Um, you don't get Teleformula, right? No, I do not. They had this one. Uh, Felino's coming with um, Zacharias and mm-hmm. um, his this little kid. The little kid dressed as Mr. Niebla. Yes, like the Mr. Niebla gimmick. So the little kid goes all the way into the ring, and Zacharias starts dancing with one of the girls. Mm-hmm. And Felino goes over and grabs him and brings him back. And he's pulling him towards the ring. And as he lets go, Zach co- goes back and starts dancing with the with the, with the same girl. He goes and grabs him again, pulls him back. Zach, Zach starts going to the ring. He goes back. Just, he looks over at the girl that he was dancing with the first time. He switches over to the other girl. So he starts dancing with that girl. And then Felino's like, well, you know, might as well start dancing too. So they start dancing. So it's basically like ten, five minutes of them just dancing. And they're the only ones who could pull that off. Yeah, and it's great. I mean, that, yeah. that's, that's the charm, part of the charm. And I think that's what a lot of people like. That's what people think of Lucha Libre. They think of that sort of stuff, like the mask and all that stuff. And I mean, it's true. There's certain stuff that AAA does. Which I understand. I mean, some people that are getting into lucha mm-hmm. like that, they want to. They want serious stuff. They want more of a storyline. Yes, like an American thing. But then, like CMLL is more of a, you know. That's true. They don't have storylines. <laughs> They're pretty much. That's pretty much. And a speaking of which, I guess this would be a good. We didn't uh, even talk about seeing that much. Well, here's here's my thing. I'm trying to figure out what do we talk about. <laughs> talk about uh, spacing you know, in this segment he's, he's a hall of famer so we'll probably talk about him later but I yes know. see i th- i i i'm a big sting fan because mm-hmm. i i actually did grow up watching sting i think i started i probably started watching sting from the moment he started wrestling and i will say i am a sting fan of old too i remember his initial push mega push with rick flair yeah. and did I you watch him before one. the 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 rick flair stuff yes i did the uwf and all that and i yeah yeah, I I remember when he turned babyface in UWF, and I he looked a little uncomfortable on the mic at first, but I thought this guy's got appeal. I, yeah. I dug it, and I you so know he was working with Eddie Gilbert, so that kind of helped too. So yes, <laughs> Eddie Gilbert will help anybody. Eddie Gilbert like, was magic. Yeah, you know the 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 thing I, I was thinking about with Sting is like he drew so much money, not even wrestling. He could probably just show up in Heroes Immortal Heroes <laughs> and just draw a big crowd, not even wrestling. <laughs> Just stand in the in the ramp. Rafters dressed up as as the crow. Oh, I remember in WCW when he had that gig, not wrestling, but just being in the rafters. That was like the easiest payday ever. Oh my god, I envied him. Yeah, (laughs) I said I want. I hated it because you know, as a wrestling fan, you're like, "What does he wrestle? Yes, (laughs) (laughs) what does he wrestle this week? (laughs) What's he gonna do up there?" (laughs) Yeah, but. You know that that's the kind of job I want. I want a job where I just you know sit up in the rafters and look down. I don't want I don't out, even want the camera on me though. I just want to sit and watch and get paid. And then you find out how much money he was making just sta- just yes. standing there. I was like, holy shit, that's yes. that's Hall of Fame worthy right there <laughs> on its own. I do agree. Yeah, I'm curious who the other person's going to be if they bring in another person for AAA. See, I thought they were going to bring in the Hardy Boys at first. 
Oh dear. <laughs> I thought Man Hardy Boys in in Mexico would have been like the I think they would have probably not made it back. No, that oh yeah. That would have been a tragedy. Yeah, that would not have been pretty. Yeah. yeah no, I don't know who I I have to say I'm so I know ignorant. their their dream guy is Kurt Angle. That's the guy that they want. Kurt Angle, but they can't afford him, I think. That's a shame because that would that would be gold. See, and I think Kurt Angle versus LA Park would do really well. Would mm-hmm. be a, would probably be the great one of the the best one of the best matches in AAA. Yes, I think Kurt Angle versus Chessman would be really good. Probably Doctor Wagner also. Mm-hmm. Kurt Angle versus Doctor Wagner. Those that two, would rule. They'd never put Chessman versus him because that basically Chessman pretty much is like Kurt Angle and Doctor Wagner. I mean, two of the most charismatic people yeah. you could envision. I mean, they would make they would make magic in that. See, Alley Park, you could probably, see. I would put Sting versus Alley Park just because Alley Park can actually have, carry Sting to a good match. That would be because it's, yeah. it's a he's a great he's just going to take it to the outside, have him do crazy shit, and people are going to love it. I mean, he made a great mm-hmm. match out of it. That's true. That the beatdown with Laparca, so that's. But I, I'm kind of wondering what they're going to do with him. That'll and I'll be curious. Yeah. Well, I guess that would be a good. Uh, this is a good place to take a break and head on into the next subject, which we started to touch upon. CMLL. Yeah. We will be back momentarily. And we have returned, and now we. Uh, this is not, this is kind of like a Carl Stern type of show where if we keep pausing it for no apparent reason. <laughs> That's right. We're taking breaks for the hell of it. Yeah. You know why we're taking breaks? Because we can, so we can feel like we're actually an official radio show. Actually, we're taking breaks to watch all the lucha I've collected, and we're not sharing it with anybody. <laughs> you can't have any folks out there. Well, now we uh, go from awkwardly uh, talking about Sting in AAA. Oh, and we should mention that if you guys are tired about... If you guys missed it, we had a 20-minute commercial break with the Shake Weights. That's right. We had a Shake Weight 20-minute commercial break in between every single segment, so... Yeah, but if you would like to see it, just send us your gift of $10,000 or less uh, to Alfredo Esparza. This is the CML segment, so we're adding Shake Weight commercials. That's right. (laughs) I've never seen that Shake Weight commercial so many times. Did you see the last one? They did one um, in the last couple of ones. They dumped the Shake Weight a few times, and they added an, er- 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 an erection commercial. What? Yeah, I didn't see that. Erection. <laughs> For some medicine that gives you an, er- an erection, like it increases your erection. Wait, the Shake Weight, watching women do Shake Weights is what gave me an erection. <laughs> I don't need a pill. Well, they started, I think it was two weeks ago they heard it, and I was like, what is going on? Now they have an erection type of commercial. Uh, they sing wrestling fans are impotent. And then you notice, like, one of the commercials really isn't, like, a commercial. It's just them talking about Galavision. I did see that. Okay, I... Like, I, it's got elephants. Elephants, like, running and zebras running, and then, like, leopards. I'm like, man, Jose Fernandez must have been <laughs> posting this thing. He's, he's, he's posting pictures a lot of, like, leopards and stuff on Facebook, so... How funny. Yeah. Oh, Lord. Yeah, CMLL. I, I've been really enjoying the wrestling on the shows. If they could just have as much wrestling as they did commercials, yeah. it was I think it was three weeks ago. There were so many commercials. I mean, I'm, I had that fast forward on my DVR pressed down for the longest time. I think my thumb was starting to get a cramp. <laughs> Seriously, they were long commercials. Oh no, there was like a, there was that one show where they had the trios match. There was mm-hmm. like a twenty minute commercial 
in between like the the that one segment where they have like Tanya talking mm-hmm. interview or interviewing a fan and then they had like another 20 commercial <laughs> break. I was like, man, it was like a 40 minute commercial break. I know Dave Meltzer watched that match and gave gave that show like a four and a quarter star. That was a great trio match. Yeah. I I had, you know, usually Usually, I can, I love it when a trio match goes standard, and when it's time to go home, you go home. But I loved how they kept having all these near falls, and just when you think the match was going to be over, and that was the last near fall you were going to see, it it was just you know they'd kick out and they'd keep going. Well, I and I guess, I guess that's the thing is CMLL doesn't do t- you know tons of matches where there's countless near falls. I I, I get really tired of them yeah. of them in indie promotions where. Everybody kicks out of every finishing move, and then they do like a lot of big moves too. Exactly. Yeah. The but in CMLL, you kind of know the formula. It's like yes. there's going to be a tope. <laughs> yes, so there's going to be a tope. Then somebody, there's going to be at least some, one flip where somebody's going to try to do like a weird flip. But there's always going to be a tope, and then there's the finish, uh, either a foul, mm-hmm. <laughs> a mask ripping. Or you know some sort of shenanigans, either Tirantes or something. Yes, you can. You can. Envision it. You can see, okay, it's about to end now. Yeah. So in this, in the trios match where it just kept going and going and going, it, it got it made it exciting, and having Averno's, it be the exception. Averno's just been great. Averno is yeah. awesome. Yeah, hopefully he doesn't go to WWE. Are we still on the whole WWE, him going to WWE Him thing? going to WWE <laughs> thing. I, the only reason I'd love him to go to WWE because I think he's somebody who deserves a great payday. I think the only reason I want him to go is just so Steve Sims and the Cubs fan can continue at being asked that same question every week. When is he going to WWE? <laughs> I'm sure they're probably already tired of hearing, listening to that or reading that question. Yeah. Now, I, I mean, I think he's great. And then, like, the thing, like, I know when I when I when I mentioned that I kind of like the roster now more than or the shows more now than when Mystico was there was because I kind of felt like they were always like holding on to Mystico the whole time. Like, they were always just like, "Well, what, now what do we do with Mystico?" Now what do we do with Mystico? And like nowadays, it's like you really don't know what they're going to do, who they're going to put up as a main eventer. That's kind of hurts. It kind of hurts them attendance wise. But as a fan, as somebody who doesn't really attend that, isn't going to attend Arena Mexico. It's the the diversity is so much more entertaining for some reason. I agree. I I think CMLL is so much. It's more interesting to watch these days than it has in several years easily. Yeah, because I mean, right now they have like. You have Hector Garza. You have Hector Garza as a main eventer. You have the the Forza TRT with Ray Bucanero and the, mm-hmm. the two Tejano and Terrible. Then you have Atlantis versus Ultimo Guerrero on their whole situation. Um, you have Hector Garza with what's wrong with him and um, I guess um, Volador. Yes. Then you have Atlantis and Shocker are upset. Shocker's upset Atlantis because the two guys Atlantis is tagging with were Shocker's former pupils or yes. whatever in that whole storyline. Then you have. Um, then you have uh, Felino and Ray Bucanero. Ray Bucanero's upset at Felino's upset at Ray Bucanero for stealing his son. Ray Bucanero tells Felino that Felino is not not only is he a, a bad wrestler, he's a horrible father. So, <laughs> so Ray and Ray Bucanero is a better example. And then my thing is Ray Bucanero is not a very good father figure either. Look at what he did to Zacharias. I mean, he dumped him. <laughs> yes. And then you have Guerrero Maya moving up. You have Virus. Virus is also in the whole thing. La Mascara and Averno is never going to end. And then you have La Sombra and Mascara Dorada who come in and out whenever they're not in Japan. And then you have Tanahashi, all these other Japanese guys who are coming in. Liger's going to come in, and he's already said that he's going to be in there for a couple of 
Oh, so he long, will be the, a back. Long stretch of time, and he's already said he's going to be. I guess they've already said he's going to be a baby face this time. Way cool. Well, it's not cool because he's such a great heel, and he's a great dancer too. Mm. So <laughs> the Ro- the Rostelona dance. Yeah, the Rostelona dance. And then um, they have all these other guys underneath that are just really good. Like you could watch like their undercard, their opening matches, like mm-hmm. in Alley TV. They'll have this really tall guy named Bronco. Mm-hmm. I mean, this guy. Like I know he doesn't have a bodybuilder look, but I mean he reminds me so much of like a like a Morishima in Japan, where he just has like mm-hmm. this weird awkward body. It's it's refreshing. A, yeah, he's a smooth worker. He's a really good worker too. He, he, I mean, they could easily change. They have to change his name though, because Bronco. I think that's like the fifth Bronco or something. Yeah, you might as well call him Dragon. Yeah, you know, Dragon. it's like Bron- there's Actually, been a hundred of them. Hey, there's Tiger. Oh dear, Kid yeah. Tiger is now Tiger. Did you know that? No, I didn't. Yeah, he's Tiger now. <laughs> he's not a kid and then anymore. The women, the women are involved in feuds too, and the, the midgets are involved in feuds. The mini, the mascots are in feuds. That the Kemonito versus Sakurai's uh, pull apart. Did you see that in Leyenda? Yes, I and did. They, yeah, they had the pull apart, and um, they had the minis feuding over like this whole thing about who's like the. They had that tournament a couple. Yes, weeks ago. they actually have stories with meat in them now, and. Something you touched sadly, upon. Sadly, they don't. Sadly, they don't use their TV show to, you know, build the stories though, because they have so many TV shows. I, I want more CMLL TV. I'm well, enjoying see, they gotta, it. They have to figure out a way where they could actually like everybody can watch it. Yes. Because I mean, I think it's kind of difficult. Like, like if you're watching the Ultimate Guerrero versus Atlantis feud, you watch it at one one match in Galavision, then you're like, where do I watch the next match? It's on Channel Fifty Two. Mm-hmm. It's like I don't have Channel Fifty Two. I have to look for it on um, YouTube or somebody, Hope, the Cubs fan, who, by the way, is the only person that has seems to have access to that show. Really? I, for some reason, he's the only person who actually has that show. Let's hit him up. Yeah, so he, no, he puts it up online and everything, so he makes it available. And then you have to watch that. And then you're like, hey, where's, where's La Sombra versus this guy? And then it's like, oh, it's this other show. So there's like 10 different shows, so you're, mm-hmm. it's really confusing to keep up with this stuff. Something that you touched on that I have been really enjoying as of recent in CMLL is they are really pushing the undercard guys. Yeah, and all these, like, like Reyes Scorpion is another I guy. love Reyes Scorpion. That, that guy isn't cooks. Isn't that Ultimo Guerrero new trio? They ha- I don't think they've shown him. I think they might have shown him once. But it's Ultimo Guerrero, Dragon Rojo Jr., who was already on the team. Mm-hmm. And then they replace Atlantis with Reyes Scorpion, who is, like, the most oh, awesome, I like... I- He's the most awesome worker you could have. He is really cool. I like that guy. I like that guy a lot. I mean, I love the way they've been pushing them as pupils of, you know, some of the veteran wrestlers. And then they end up teaming with them, and that's how they build up new main event guys. Exactly. They're actually doing it the way it should be done. And is there... Is there, like, a different booking team in control now? Well, Ultimo Guerrero is one of the bookers. Like, if you've noticed, but I think that's why he dropped the belt to Hector Garza. Mm-hmm. Because I think that kind of, like, was his way of saying, hey, you know what, I'll... Because, you know, for some reason, title belt still means something, and plus he already has another belt. Yeah. He had to drop one belt, I think. He had to drop one belt because they're going to hold their... Well, I think they already, they already started. They're holding a... They do the Universal Title Tournament, mm-hmm. where the 16 guys who hold belts are in a tournament. Mm-hmm. And like then the finalist gets another belt or something. Yeah. Gets a trophy. Well, titles mean something because they know how to push them. They know how to tell a story well, with see, them. Well, that's the thing. They have so many, though. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. They have so many. But I guess now it makes sense because they have a tournament for yeah. it. And, and, and I know there's not a focus on this in this day and age. But one of the things I loved about Mexico 
when I was a kid and was reading all the magazines was they had like a title for every weight class. Yeah, they still do. And it meant something. Yeah. You know, they now still... now it's like a featherweight is just a mini. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, that's the only thing they changed. They yeah. changed like the featherweight. They... You know, somebody asked me if, um, if I knew like who the greatest featherweight was. I'm like, that's kind of like stretching it. Like, <laughs> that really knows? Because I mean, a featherweight can be a mini or a, a, so it hasn't really been used lately. Yeah, I, I, you know, well, you know me, I'm I'm an old man, so I kind of. You do remember who the greatest featherweight is? The, well, <laughs> I, I can't remember. Stereo. I can't remember if it's featherweight or if it was one of those. It was one of the lighter weights, but it's flyweight. It was a flight. He asked me flyweight. Flyweight. Okay, because I remember in the magazines, I saw Rosado Ruiz everywhere, mm-hmm. and he was a, a he was one of the lightest wrestlers, and I, I remember. Being like 15 years old and, you know, being a kid who was probably about 110 pounds soaking yeah. wet, I just thought it was so cool that here was this, you know, little dude who was seen as such an icon. Yeah. You know, he he, he wouldn't be featured in the magazine as much as Dr. Wagner or Angel Blanco, but... I think that's why a lot of guys, like, I think, like, what, what I got, why I got into Lucha was, like, you saw so many guys who were so much smaller than the guys in the yes. U.S. Whereas the smaller guys in the U.S. were... Uh, either light heavyweights or junior heavyweights who never showed up on TV except for that one time they would make it and usually if they were on they were jobbing yes and in Mexico it's like you had Fuerza Guerra versus Octagon as like the biggest like a huge main event or something or you had El Dandy versus Javier Cruz or you had um, Hijo Santo versus versus Espanto Junior which by the way I found another match of Espanto Junior versus oh did you really there's now three matches one of the guys whose careers ended way too soon very sad that guy was so talented another great worker like, but I mean, and, and that's what you notice. Like with Mexico, you kind of the heavyweights take a backseat to like the lighter weights. Yes. Oh, the who the man who was considered the greatest heel of uh, Mexican history was Cavernario Galindo, who was a little dude. Yeah. Feuded with Gory Guerrero, another little dude. Yeah. And they were considered two of the best. Santo was a big yes. Guy. Blue Demon wasn't a big big guy either. Exactly. There was a lot of guys. You know, there had they. I mean, heavyweights wasn't a big thing in Mexico to like Cien Caras, Mil Mascaras. All those guys, really. That's true. I don't know. But nowadays, I mean, right now, I think it's just great because we don't get the Dinamitas. <laughs> Dinamitas versus Porky and uh, Rayo. And remember that period in time where it was always that? And then, like, it was like, oh, shit, not this. <laughs> I know, I know, so exactly. Like, oh, I remember Bob Barnett. <laughs> Bob Barnett. I know a lot of people like to ask us because there's mm-hmm. a lot of people who like to ask if there's full shows of stuff going back to the 90s and everything. And you notice, like, a lot of people didn't tape stuff complete yes and i always remember like bob barnett would always say they would ask bob barnett how come you don't tape the complete shows like it's like that's that's jeff lynch's job my i i don't i i don't have to watch that bullshit <laughs> <laughs> i thought that was you know what's you know what's funny though i remember in the late 80s when i was you know when cmll started airing here in the la area on um galavision some I, I love the opening matches. Yeah, a lot of the lesser known guys like uh, Matematicos or Estrellas Blanca. Yeah, Panico. Yeah, um, I mean they weren't they weren't these. You know, the weird thing was then you found out that some of the guys ended up turn, make you know the younger guys ended up being bigger stars later. Like yes, L.A. Park. He used yes. to show up as Principe on Island. Island. Yeah. yeah. Um, heavy metal Canelo Casas. I remember. I remember, in fact I remember. Uh, when Negro Casas still with UWA, he made a shot on uh, the Galavision show with uh, it was him, Canelo Casas, and I can't remember who the third 
guy was, but that was back when the rival promotions yeah. would still use each other's talent, yeah. you know, before... That's kind of interesting. I think, I know people were like right away shot it down, the Dorian Rodon thing. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it would have been interesting. Like, you don't have to like go all out, like have guys show up on one side mm-hmm. or the other. But it would have made it something interesting. Like, if you're not using like two or three guys... Why not? Why not let yeah. them just work at one of those shows? It would have been a great idea. Like, Well, and, and if I recall, Mexico, from the time UWA was conceived, even when they were in a really bitter war with CMLL, there was some talent yeah. going over to the other side and not really conflicting for some Santo time. Was the only, Santo's the only one that doesn't seem to get out along with anybody. Wow. <laughs> Boy, talk about somebody you never thought would be the king of whatever happened to yeah he doesn't get along with anybody like triple a or cml this is true i think that's why triple a and cml would unite just to like spite <laughs> Hijo Santo. it would be the first ever the anti-santo campaign we're gonna have a big anti-santo show at arena mexico yeah, I, I love how twitter that's the only reason to follow these guys on twitter because like most of the stuff they write is like just bullshit or just them retweeting stuff like oh santo you're the greatest or blue demon you're the best i love you <laughs> oh, retweet, hit retweet, hit retweet. But um, but like every once in a while, there's something that will just piss them off. <laughs> it's like, oh my god, the Blue Demon. It's the NWA, the NWA acronym. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh my god, they don't own the rights. Mister Bob Trowbridge owns the rights to them. It's like, ah, dude, come on, seriously. If you guys aren't gonna sue them, go over there, do it, do what you're gonna do. You're not gonna get away. Yeah. Not, I mean, they stop tweeting and yeah. take action for it's God's just one sake. Of those <clears throat> Another thing I'm really enjoying on uh, the Galavision shows of late is you actually get a singles match most weeks, which is something yeah, the, you haven't the seen. Lightning match, the lightning match. Now, being somebody, I'm one of the one of those guys who loves lucha, but is still very Spanish challenged. What's the whole concept behind behind the lightning round? It's basically like the beat the champ type of thing. The mm-hmm. beat the champ thing, where it's, there's a there's a ten minute time limit. And you basically have to win within those ten minutes. That is awesome. And basically, I think they—I think you might have seen the one where there's a draw. Yes, I, think I did. I tell you where, where the guy just decides to do the flip. It was Valiente. Oh, by the way, Ray Cometa, who was in that match, mm-hmm. he kind of got a—he's—he's he's starting to get in with the Ultimo Guerrero group or something. Is he really? Him, they had him in one of the matches where he teamed with them. That should be interesting. Now you're that, mentioning, and in fact, you were mentioning Ultimo Guerrero dropping the title. Um, to guards, did you watch that match? No, <laughs> no, I haven't yet. I I do still have it on my DVR. It, it was right after the Peste Negra match, if I recall yeah, yeah. correctly. Yeah. Um, you know, it's hard to watch the full match live. I think I recorded it at midnight because mm-hmm. it was on at midnight, right? Uh, yeah, it's on at yes. Yeah. Um, the last two or three weeks has been on at midnight. No, the last week was on at four. Um, but I've been recording it at midnight, and um, I caught the Peste Negra match, and then I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll watch that later, the Hector Garza match. I think I saw it afterwards, but it was like, eh. Yeah, my DVR is set right to where they're holding the belt in the middle of the ring, getting yeah. ready to get it started. No, but I... I, I I'm not a big I, fan of their two going at each other for some reason. They don't have chemistry. Like for, Really? They, I, I personally don't think they have chemistry against each other. It is cool if he's dropping the belt as kind of a sign that if he's Booker in control and not hogging the titles, I think... Yeah. I mean... You know, not not that I'd ever have that great uh, position of being a booker anywhere, but I think the first thing I would do if I was a booker and a wrestler is I'd, not I'd not champion. push myself. <laughs> I would be champion. What are you talking about? I'd be champion. Uh, the I'd death be like now. on every single show. Like I'd be at the in, on the intro <laughs> introducing the show. I'd be like, hey guys, 
Like, I'd be right next to um, Miguel Linares because I'm too short to be next to Dr. Alfonso Morales and Leobardo Magadan. I'd have to be like next to Miguel Linares and um, that other guy, Leo Riano. Yeah. Maybe one of the, the ring girls. And of course, you know what I would do if I was Booker. And then I'd come in and dance with Zacharias. Yeah, yes. I'd probably come in and dance. I'd give you the job just to see you dance. Yeah, there you go. I'm a good dancer, though. I'm I'd not. Be surprised. I'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. I could dance. Hmm. I got to see you do the dance moves. Now, I, I the reason I never <laughs> reason I never dance is every time I dance, people uh, call the paramedics. Say some poor guy's You're a white having. Guy, a, that's why. <laughs> yeah, they say some poor guy's having a seizure here. Get come and help him. He's going to collapse. The, the, the Elaine dance from Seinfeld. Yes, yeah. yes, that's me. I yeah. do the Elaine dance from Seinfeld. Um. Yeah, but see, yeah, I could see the point. Your point where it, maybe it's that his way of. Um, Trying to show that he's not just going to think about himself. Yeah, and just not push himself it and his best for, buddies. For a while, it kind of seemed like that because the Atlantis thing was involving him. Mm-hmm. And then the Garza thing was involving him, too. And then, like, all of a sudden... But I think they kind of... Garza started talking about Volador again. Yeah. So I guess they're going to start feuding. Yes. You know the other guy that you, I don't think you've seen... I don't know if you've seen him or not, or he's been... Um, psychosis. No, I have not. You haven't seen him? This is the second Psychosis. And I know a lot of people just do, like, shit on him mm-hmm. because he's not as... He's not Nicho. But if you watch him wrestle in on um, TV, I don't know if you record TV. You probably don't because you told me it was like... This is the oddest thing ever. I cannot set a series recording on my DVR for TV Just yeah. on that channel. I but do I not know why. I knows how to do it. I'll, I'll ask Cubs if he knows how to do it. <laughs> but no, it's weird. I, every other channel on my... Uh, on my Time Warner, we can uh, plug for a series recording. It won't let me do it on TV, and yeah, I don't so, know why. So, um... Psychosis. If you watch him wrestle, you just see how hard he wrestles. Like he's like his effort. Just he's mm-hmm. not he's not as good as like some of the other guys. But just because he goes on effort, he he actually matches those guys. And I actually dig him. He's Volador has replaced Hector Garza in that group. Mm-hmm. So it's, they actually have like this really colorful look because um, Volador changes his outfit so many times. Yes, he's got a light blue look. And then you have psychosis in like the purple reddish type of look. Mm-hmm. And you have Alabrije with the whole like uh, everywhere like every color <laughs> of the rainbow. They have like this cool like heel look to them. So, um, but psychosis is a guy you, like you have to watch because like just the effort. You're like, man, this guy's actually pretty good just because of the effort he gives. And I, I'm into that. I like. Yeah. I would rather have like a mediocre wrestler who has passion and is working hard. Because I mean, he's in there with Blue Panther. Mm-hmm. And he's really holding his own with Blue Panther, which I mean, Blue Panther does a lot of the stuff. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it really shows you that. I mean, because a lot of these guys can actually look like shit when they're in there with a good. See, there's been a lot of CM, AAA guys who jump to CMLL. If they don't get get going right away, mm-hmm. the CML guys are just not gonna. Give yeah, a shit about this is it. true. And this guy actually, like, I guess he's done enough where they actually make more. Like, they give him more of a. He's doing well. Well, that's cool. Well, yeah. you know, I I think I said on one uh one of our previous slam and sand shows i one of the things i dig about roosh is i know he's not the greatest wrestler but he looks like he has passion for there's what he's another doing guy. there's another guy and he's gonna be a, a really good heel at some point because i agree i mean just just his just mannerisms there. his facials and everything just he have you he, heard him talk no when i have talks, not when he talks and he's joking with the guys mm-hmm. they've had him on like the rastalona shows where he's talking to the guys and he's just talking to them off the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And he's actually like, he comes across like he's a, he's got a sarcastic side to him. Yes. So like it comes off like a, like a dick. But he's mm-hmm. a, he, it's not a dick, like a bad dick guy. He's just, he's just a jokish type of guy. Right. Poster. 
So it kind of it works because he has the face. The face look makes him look like he's a dick. He uh, he has a great face. Yeah, so he, he he has a, like you said he has a great face for a heel, especially. Yeah. I think he'll end up being a heel at some point too. That's very cool. I enjoy watching him versus him. Garza at some point. It's going to be a a main event type of thing. And that's one I would look forward yeah, to. I guess they're I guess the anniversary show is probably going to be the the force of TRT putting up their hair against somebody. I'm guessing. Really? I'm, that's what it looks like. The but I mean, you can't tell because they haven't really planned it. They, I, they have, like I'm telling you, they have so many things. Oh well, Forza T- TRT versus um, <coughs> versus um, Shocker and um, mm-hmm. Hector Garza. Those guys are that would be cool. And then there's Felina also involved feuding with Ray Bucanero. They have a lot of like feuds. Like basically, you have you have Hector Garza, Shocker versus those two guys. Then you have um, Ray Bucanero, Felino. There's two feuds. Then you have Atlantis and Shocker for some reason not getting along. Mm-hmm. They teamed up recently, but they there's still that little like distance mm-hmm. Ultima Girl and Atlantis they're two groups then you have Volador and Hector Garza you have um, Virus and I think he's feuding with, I can't remember who he's feuding with but there's like a bunch of different guys just like having issues La, La Mascara versus Averno well they have so they have so much that they can choose from for the anniversary show that just, I'm, I'm gonna absolutely scream oh my god I'm gonna scream if they have a cage match as the main event no, with 16 wrestlers in it god. Well, no, see, that's a good thing. No. Some of those guys that left, that's mm-hmm. kind of good because they kind of lost mask. Because they usually have a mid card, yes, mask match, and some of those guys left. But I think some of them left because they kind of had the saw the writing on the wall that they weren't going to get uh. moved up. <laughs> <laughs> They're actually good workers. The guys who left, Cemental, mm-hmm. Doctor Extreme, and um, Mortis. Mortis is probably the, the just the name Doctor Extreme. I'd give a guy a job well, Dom, for that. Well, name. his name was Doctor X. He changed it to Doctor <laughs> Extreme. Doctor Extreme is great. Yeah, you should probably change it though. Well, that's enough CML for. It. I think yes, I think it's a good time to take another break just because we can. And when we turn, we'll be remembering Mondo Lopez. And we have returned. Are you trying to remember when he passed away? Well. When uh, I first started watching wrestling in 1972, Los Angeles wrestling had its whole array of stars. It had uh, a good number of guys who were mid-carders. And then you know we had our Southern California jobbers. And when I say Southern California jobbers, that is no derogatory statement. We had, you know, a number of guys who usually got their clocks cleaned on a weekly basis, like the Peace Brothers, uh, Don Reeves, Wildman Jack Armstrong, Lou Anthony, who also would wrestle under a mask as the Outlaw. And speaking of that, the Peace Brothers would also do double duty as, as the, the as, <laughs> as the vigilantes. This was like Sinkara. This was before Sinkara. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Only instead of being stars, they were jobbers. Yeah. But uh, they all added quite a flavor to LATV on a weekly basis. There was one that you know was a you know one of the regular losers on TV each week by the name of Mondo Lopez and Mondo Lopez was anything but a loser he was a guy who was trained you know lucha libre style but in the early 70s i think i think he started wrestling in LA in 1971 
and he was one of the jobbers that they would use who you could rely in to, you know, get, you know, beat by Gordman and Goliath, Gordon Nelson, Beauregard, you name it, he was usually the one on the losing end. But every now and then, Mondo Guerrero, I mean, Mondo Guerrero, that was silly Mondo of me. Lopez. How dare I? <laughs> yeah, Mondo Lopez, Mondo Lopez would get an inspirational Mondo win. Mondo Guerrero just heard this podcast and ripped the... Ripped. That's like, right. Bang, bang the, the door. <laughs> if he comes banging at our door, we're in trouble. <laughs> if only I were eloquent, this would was, be a great podcast. Was Mondo Guerrero at the Wrestle... He was at the Wrestle Reunion, right? Yes, he was. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, you know, you know, Mondo Lopez would every now and then be given these inspirational wins, and at one point in 1975 was given an actual bona fide push as the tag team partner of John Tolis. Um... Mondo Lopez passed away sometime last week. I, I still know nothing about his death other than he was around the age of 60. I learned this from Jesse Hernandez. I I actually knew Mondo Lopez because in addition to being, you know, one of the regulars on Los Angeles TV wrestling, when I started attending the Lucha Libre shows at Hadco Plaza in the early 80s, Mondo Lopez wrestled under a hood as Superstar. Now, to the best of my knowledge, this was before uh, the Mass Superstar. Oh, so Mass Superstar stole his gimmick. Yeah, damn it. <laughs> no, we always, we always found it funny because we'd go to Hadco Plaza <laughs> and we'd see this guy called the Superstar, and the first thing we thought of is, Superstar Graham? <laughs> Mondo Lopez was by no mean a bodybuilder and <laughs> did not have that look. But at on the indie shows in Hadical Plaza, he he was one of the guys who were usually in the upper echelon of the uh, show. And when I started working out at Gill's gym in the late 80s, you know, to it, for anybody who has not heard me talk about Gill's gym, it was the most awesome wrestling gym I have ever been to. Uh, Gil Ariano was a wrestler from Tijuana who moved to Los Angeles sometime in the early 70s. He was an auto mechanic, had his own auto garage, and he just gutted the supply room, and instead of keeping auto supplies in it, he built a <laughs> ring. <laughs> he well, built a ring. How was he as a mechanic? I, uh, well, that was that was what one of the things that I found very charming. All these low on supplies. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was one of the things that was very charming about Gil's gym. On any given day, I would go there, and there would be Gil just sitting, uh, you know, sitting on an you know in a lawn chair, just amongst all his cars, just watching TV, sipping a soda, and. I think maybe only about 10% of the time I went there was he actually working on a car. <laughs> but no, it was one of the things I loved about going there because he was never alone. He'd usually be around uh, a couple of local wrestlers, usually the older wrestlers like El Moro or Chivo Garcia, who was the father of Kayam and Enigma de Oro. And uh, when the day would come to an end, Gil would take off his uh, mechanic duds, change into his trunks, and teach wrestling classes. Oh. And, you know, you always hear about the rip-off prices a lot of wrestling schools charge. Gil's classes were five bucks a workout. Wow. 
And one of the people who were frequently at Gil's gym in the late 80s was Mondo Lopez, which was a big deal to me because I would see him each week on TV. Did you give him the Kurt Brown reaction? Mondo Lopez. (laughs) I know who you are. You know what? I don't remember what exactly the first day I met him, but I do know I went up to him and said, oh my God, I used to watch you on TV. And uh, I I remember LA TV in such great detail back then. One of the things that I remember is I was such a jobber fan back then. Every every week I kept hoping the jobbers would get a win. And uh, the LaBelle promotion wasn't one of the brightest promotions in the world, but something they did that was smart was every now and then the jobbers would pull it off. Occasionally Bengali would get a win. Yeah. And I do remember the first time I ever saw Mondo Guerrero go over in a match. He Mondo was... Lopez. I did it again, didn't I? <laughs> what is with me? Oh, I should be ashamed it's, it's of myself. A, come on, Kurt. It's Kurt Brown. <laughs> oh, jeez. Okay, then I'm going to turn in... You're I'm Kurt. turning into Vandal Drummond now. Yeah, Kurt Brown is going home for the evening. Oh, they better not think you're doing a suicide note. No, brother. <laughs> no. Kurt Brown has left the building. Vandal Drummond is here. Let's see if I can do it right this time. Man, I can't even tribute somebody who's passed away correctly. Jeez. <laughs> so the first time I saw Mondo Lopez go over in a match, it was in the summer of 73, and he was teaming with Tony Rocco, who was one of the mid-carders. And they were wrestling Gordman and Goliath. And jobbers would usually be given a generous amount of spots in these matches and so Mondo Lopez was getting his share of spots and I'm waiting for the moment he's going to land flat on his back and be staring at the lights above well he and Goliath start fighting on the apron of the ring on the outside of the ring and they're trading blows and the referee is counting them out you know one two three They're just trading blows over and over again. Then when they get to the count of nine, Goliath rears back his fist, belts Mondo Lopez really hard, sending him over the rope into the ring. (laughs) So Goliath gets counted out. Now, I know people usually... That's actually a great... Isn't that a great finish? That's a great finish, yes. Now, a lot of people would call this like, oh, a slip on a banana peel finish. But the reason it didn't come off like that is because when they won... Mondo Lopez and Tony Rocco just went nuts like we beat them we won and Gordon and Goliath kept slapping their heads in frustration like oh my god we messed up big time they didn't just act cocky like oh we lost no big deal like they do all the time today it it got a really huge pop from the crowd and it got a huge pop from the 11 year old kid who was watching it on this television set Mm -hmm. in my house the next time they gave Mondo Lopez any kind of a push was in 1975. After a number of jobs on Channel 13, including one I'll never forget where he wrestled Man Mountain Mike and all he did was come off the ropes, go to tackle Man Mountain Mike and just collapse and then get squashed you know, by the 600-pound uh, behemoth in, I think, 30 seconds. They gave him a push where he and John Tolis were chasing the tag team titles that were held by Gordman and Goliath. And as I recall, they claimed really close to getting them, didn't get them. 
Then, about two months later, out of nowhere, he teamed with Mickey Doyle. And if anybody knows the history of Mickey Doyle in L.A., it was a fascinating one. He started off in the early uh, early months of 1975 as an up-and-comer who was getting quite a push. He got a lot of mic time. And then, for absolutely no reason, suddenly he was the jobber extraordinaire. He never went over. And when I say <laughs> never, I mean never, ever. You, you took, you kept track of this. Huh? <laughs> well, not only did I keep track of it, the Herald Examiner, uh, the a now-defunct newspaper that was a yeah, yeah. pretty huge newspaper in L.A. at the time, would actually cover the wrestling matches in the sports section. They would do it tongue-in-cheek. Like uh, when Roddy Piper had his head shaved, they would say uh, Dobie Gillis made his return to wrestling because he resembled the character Dobie Gillis on TV. <laughs> um, Adrian Donis, who wrestled as Keith Franks, they would just bill him as Beans and Frank. <laughs> but they always would have a running Mickey Doyle joke. Yeah. Like they'd say... Uh, the vendors are now selling Mickey Doyle dolls. You wind them up and they get pinned. <laughs> That's how famous he was as a jobber. Uh, but So here he was, jobbing right, left, every way. And just one night, inexplicably, unfortunately, I don't think it was televised because I don't recall it, <laughs> Mickey Doyle and Mondo Lopez won the tag belts from Gordman and Goliath and then dropped them a few weeks later. I can't remember who to... I think like nine days later they dropped them. They didn't even like lose them that same night? Wow. No, the only thing, you know, I... I... They had a better record than Rey Mysterio. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. The That's title, right. <laughs> that Rey Mysterio, man, jeez. You should learn something from <laughs> Mickey Doyle and Mondo Lopez. Yes. So Mondo Lopez. Okay, how many times have I said Lopez without... Erring and saying Guerrero, thank God. <laughs> you're, you're on a roll now. I'm on a roll now. Vandal Drummond is in the house, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I'm assuming maybe they were given the straps. Maybe Gordman and Goliath decided to leave, really. Like they said, hey, we're out of here. And did they leave? That's my assumption. Were they, they must have gone to like Southwest. I bet they did. Because yeah, I, like... I can't think of any other reason why they would have dropped it so quickly. Yeah. Uh so like I said, I met Mondo Lopez in the late 1980s at Gills, and that's when I really realized actually that he, you know, just wasn't, I knew he was a good worker, but it was really uh, fun having him give you pointers in the ring. He would really pay attention to details on, you know, things a lot of people overlook from just simple bumps to lockups, uh, ways of giving you know, elbow smashes and stuff that, you know, going to protect your opponent. Was he fluent in English or Spanish? English? Yeah, his, his English was broken, but not terribly. I mean, I yeah, could understand yeah. everything he said. But what was more fun than having him show you anything in the ring was sitting next to him during, uh, just during a match, especially a Lucha-style match. Because there were a number of guys in the early 90s who were just great flyers, yeah. great technical workers, but they would he would point out everything that they were missing. He, you know, he's saying, look at them not selling to the crowd. Yeah. Look, they just, you know, they just got their arm worked on and they just shook it off like it's nothing. <laughs> I mean, he just paid attention to the passion of a wrestling match, what yeah. you're supposed to do to sell it to the crowd. 
And uh, on top of that, uh, Lopez was just a really friendly guy. And um, right before Gills closed in 2006, I was going there on a semi-regular basis after, you know, not being around for a few years. Yeah. And I noticed there was no Mondo Lopez there hanging around. I asked Gil, is he still around? And he says, well, he doesn't wrestle anymore, and he only shows up here now and then because he's been in bad health. So oh, wow. I don't know what the cause of his uh, passing was, but, uh, you know, I, I it sounds like he had been in bad health for several years. But... <clears throat> the Mondo Lopez story, the one I want to close it out with is there's a story Mondo Lopez loved to tell. And that was a time when he wrestled... Mondo <laughs> <laughs> You know, I'll have to find out if they ever wrestle each other. Yeah. The joke's on me. <laughs> you know, Lopez Guerrero, that's kind of... Yeah, that's uh, a pretty common Mexican name. Last name. That's true. I'm sure I've I'm sure I've dropped the ball on some on uh, other wrestlers in that same vein. I know I have. Uh, but Mado Lopez used to talk about the time when he was in Texas and he was just doing a shot here and there on uh, various cards there. And one night he was uh, you know hired to do a job on TV. And who the booker was, I don't know who, who the booker was, but the booker came up and told him, I'm putting you in against Terry Funk tonight. And he was pretty much talking down to Mondo and just saying, now you understand Terry Funk is the NWA champion. I don't want you to do anything fancy in there. I don't want you to do any moves. You just get squashed. You understand me? And he said, yes, no problem. So he says Terry Funk um, you know, comes into the dressing room, and when he's told he's working with Mondo Lopez, he comes up and says, Okay, kid, what do you want to do? And he says, Oh, nothing. I'll, I'm just going to lay down. And he says Funk just stares at him and says, What's with the attitude? Are you lazy, or did somebody tell you you're not getting paid tonight? Why don't you want to do anything? And he said he's getting nervous because Terry Funk's staring yeah, yeah, at him. Terry Funk was an imposing guy back then. <laughs> and so his response is, oh, no, the promoter just told me, lay down. And he says, listen, you're a wrestler. You get in the ring tonight. I expect you to wrestle. You understand? And he says, okay, anything you say. <laughs> so they get in the ring, and he says, Funk tells him to go for a single leg takedown. So he goes for a single leg takedown, and he says he... He's barely even grabbed the leg, and Funk just throws himself to the mat and starts right screaming in pain and just selling the leg. You know, like he, like yeah, he, yeah, he like, selling more than he would have normally yeah. for Lopez, but he wanted to make a point to the Booker. Yeah, and said he made Mondo Lopez like look like a million dollars, and then you know after after Lopez did the job to him. Lopez goes back to the dressing room and the booker just comes in red in the face and just starts screaming at him, says, like, you know, you lousy this and that, and threw in a few ethnic slurs. Yeah. Uh, I told you, don't touch him. And he he just sat there and took the yelling at And then he said Terry Funk just walked in between them and looked at the booker and said, I told him to do those things. Says, says you, know, you, you know, you leave the kid alone. You understand? I told him to do those do those things. Oh, and by the way, like, never tell anybody how to wrestle a match with me. And 
So Mondo Lopez obviously loved Harry Funk just for that. Yeah. But then he loved him even more when Funk walked up to him later in the evening with his pay and handed it to Lopez and said, I'm sorry you had to put up with that. Wow. And Lopez would always conclude the story looking up and going, Terry Funk, beautiful person. Yes, there's a lot of people that think of Terry Funk that way, though. Huh. Yes, he yes. He seems to be like the one guy that everybody speaks highly of. He does. Ter- I mean, Terry Funk, when you just think back, I mean, he's always on my type top five list, not for just quality matches, but just he just seems like somebody who loves the business. And, and you know the other thing, Terry Funk, he shakes hands. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I wanted to just give that tribute to Mondo Lopez, who I, I had not seen him in years, but... Yeah. Um, how, how long did he wrestle? Did he wrestle still into the 90s? Or? No, I think by that time he had wound it up uh, in fact, I can tell you the last time I saw him wrestle was on a show in Santa Ana in 1990. Oh, okay. Um, I don't think he wrestled after that. I don't know if it was because of his health or just... Yeah, I mean... You just wanted to wind older. it up. Yeah. But it's, you know, one, Gills has been gone for five years, and it's, wow. it's sad. I, I get a little uh, wistful thinking, you know... Uh, Gil's still alive, but El Moro, Chivo Garcia are, are, have both passed away, and now Mondo, Mondo Lopez. I almost said it again. <laughs> I, oh, people, <laughs> people, people. You need a break. No, yeah. Well, if you, anybody who wants to email, tell me I was a total idiot tonight. Feel free to. No, but it's. It, I'm just sad. I think Mon, Mondo Lopez will, you know, won't be seeing him at Gills anymore either, even if yeah. it opened again. But um. Just want to give a salute to one of SoCal's boys who, uh, who you know, was quite a part of my, you know, not just being a wrestling fan when I was a little kid, but um, somebody I grew to admire as just just a local opening boy when I was, you know, breaking into the lucha style. So I just want to give Mondo Lopez a salute and say, you know, thank you. We'll be back in a minute. <laughs> we have returned, and, uh, well, uh, I, I want to apologize for that last segment, the way I kept butchering the most simple name in the world. Oh, yeah, man. Mondo Lopez is like, the, that's like the most Mexican name you could have, and it's like, you got it wrong like three times. Oh, man. But don't worry, it was Mondo Guerrero, I mean. <laughs> I, you weren't off, like, by different persons. Well, my intentions were good, but I, but I was quite the asshole in that segment. I think this next <laughs> segment, you'll make up for it, because... I think so, and, is, and, and before we jump into this segment, I just want to say I never said what I would do if I was Booker or CMLL. Fredo said he would dance, but what I would do is I would put a belt on K Monito, and I would have a five-foot-tall K Monito... I'd have a five foot seven K Monito, a six foot tall K Monito, and a six foot five tall K Monito. But, but see, the thing is, the trick to the K Monitos, they all can't be able to walk properly. You know, like yes, like, yes, yes. <laughs> they have to be like a. <laughs> they have to be bull legged. <laughs> totally. That'd be awesome. They're oh, bull-legged. oh! I want to be Booker now. And then you just have like a, a parrot suddenly show up. <laughs> a jet. Well, you should have like a. Oh, I I gotta look for that video of that seven foot um, ape. <laughs> Monterey. There's a in Monterey, like in 2003, uh-huh. 2003. There was like this giant ape rustling, like it was like a it was like an ape 
from the Planet of the Apes type. I never heard of this. Like a six five ape or something. Oh, I want to oh, see I this. Look for it. I can't remember his name. I think Rob, I'll ask Rob what the name was. I love it. But that guy was hilarious. Like he was just like this really tall ape. It's like, what is this? An ape? That was when they were doing the Shrek. And, and, yes. And the, the donkey. They were like bringing in all these other guys. I found a Batman versus Robin. Uh, Batman and Robin. No way. Yeah. No way. You got it on tape. Yeah. From Monterey, Batman. And I want to see it's that. It's short though, but it's, I don't care. I want to yeah, see Batman it. Batman and Robin. Well, this segment we're gonna since you're a Hall of Fame voter for the Observer mm-hmm. Observer Hall of Fame. That we would get your thoughts on some of the candidates or nominees or whatever you call them. Now, something I've done for the first time. You've been t- voting for how long? For like the past fifty years. <laughs> yeah, I've, I, I've been voting. You and Dave have been are ancient. Yes, I have been voting even before the Hall of Fame was in, fame was invented. You were sending these to Dave before he even thought yes. about doing this. I was truly delusional. Yeah. Uh, well, you for, were actually the person that talked them into doing the one that one wrestling as Hall of Fame, weren't you? Was I? I don't know. No, I don't think I was. <laughs> I think I had you nothing to do crazy. with that. No, I was pretty nuts, but I wasn't nuts to propose something yeah. like that. Um. Yeah. For well. Since my reputation on the Slam and Stand podcasts has always been somebody who, you know, neglects to watch wrestling, <laughs> for the first time I've neglected to look at the ballot this year. Uh, I am voting. Uh, the truth is, I've just had a very f- busy few weeks, but I do have my va- ballot. And I guess guess the best way to comment on this at this point in time is just folks who have been on the ballot each year who. I don't understand how they haven't gotten in. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the Lucha section is a little more... The first one... I mean, there's some guys who probably won't make it, because, like, Paraguayo Jr. <laughs> Those... There's reason. I mean, I can understand argument why he wouldn't make it, because, I mean... He's still in his career. Like He's only, like, 32 years old. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's early in his career, plus it's crashed, crashed and burned yeah. in a bad way. Unfortunately, because I really like him. So did did he fake cancer? Is that basically what we're figuring out? That's my belief. I it sounds so, so, so fishy. So Robbie Hari wants to know what's what's worse, faking cancer or faking death? Suicide, faking suicide. suicide. Um, we should do the top. They're, you know, next Slamistan, top ten worst things ever. Two thousand eleven. That's no, that, just two thousand eleven. Yeah, just two thousand eleven. That that's true. I this I think suicide only because, I mean. Because of Hardy, you know, faking, oh, I'm going to commit suicide. Yeah, yeah she actually had law. It, yeah. yeah, people called the police. And yeah. uh, but faking cancer, I think, is really, really low. Plus, uh, we don't really know exactly if it's... Well, well, the first thing, yeah, we don't know. But, I mean, the first thing I thought of was he, you know, saying he's undergoing chemotherapy, but he's going to be wrestling. Yeah, that's when you kind of figured it was. Like, yeah, when, when I had cancer... I was not even supposed to go to the gym. He yeah. said, there's too many germs there. Can, can you imagine wrestling on a mat while you're having <laughs> so chemotherapy? Pearls down mild mat. Oh, God. Where there's, like, there's like dirt, dust all over the place. Yeah, yeah, because when you are undergoing chemotherapy... Uh, you get sick very easily. Yeah, your immune system is shot. It's I, When I had chemotherapy, my immune system was low. I have a tendency to get canker sores sometimes, so when my immune system was low, I had like a mouthful of them and it hurt yeah. like crazy. I mean, just I I got pneumonia from yeah, because I remember you told me that. Like, yeah, for, there was a fire a, a fire like five miles away from our house, and just that small amount of smoke gave me pneumonia. Yeah, and 
and you, you know, in fact, I commented on it. Um, I wrote an email to Dave Meltzer saying that that's why it sounded fishy to me. You know, Perro claiming he was going to wrestle while undergoing chemo, and Meltzer uh, printed what I wrote in the newsletter, and he mentioned something about a <laughs> did, UFC. Did you write the whole email? <laughs> I think he did actually. Yes. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, but then he mentioned something that I, I already forget the guy's name, but there was an MMA fighter who fought while undergoing chemotherapy. and um, That's when you kind of thought maybe... Well, no, I thought that was fishy too, so I started Googling it, but in the fighter's case, he was undergoing a chemotherapy where you're taking it orally. Oh, okay. uh, it, so he was probably in very early stages. Uh, was it, I think it was leukemia, if I remember right. I Although I do think any doctor who would pass somebody who was undergoing chemotherapy to fight. Actually, actually, I, I should slight correct, slightly correct that. He had just finished chemotherapy a few weeks okay, before. So. But still, I mean, it takes a couple of weeks. Or- oh, yeah, yeah. I, I was still susceptible. I still had that stuff in my system, but, you know, in you know, like my case, I had the IV stuck to me. That's I was getting pumped full of stuff, where if you're taking orally, it's not as severe, although I still question the doctor's wisdom of, you know, passing somebody yeah. to fight. So is this enough not to let you, not to vote for Paraguay Jr.? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, just because you're like, man, that sucks. Yeah, that is, that, that that's that's pretty. Although I'm sure a lot of people in the Hall of Fame have done questionable yeah, stuff. I mean, you know, you I mean, this a, is wrestling. You do have one murderer, a couple. I mean, yes, one known. Murderer. Yeah, this is true. Is he the only murderer in the Hall of Fame. Um, that I can think of offhand. Yeah, yeah. That, that we know that he actually did. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh but I uh, know more, more because Paraguay Junior's career. Yeah, I mean, ever since it took off, but it crashed and burned in injury, a bad way. His injury, like mm-hmm. in 2008, that kind of took it down. All yeah, time. I have a feeling from this point on, his career isn't going to thrive. But it remains to be seen. But it doesn't seem like it will thrive. And then there's Doctor Wagner Junior, who I think should be in. Doctor Wagner Senior should be in. Yeah, I, who's the bigger? Who's the more? valid candidate right now in my opinion dr senior i yeah. mean you're talking about um yeah. I don't know, I, without, I got, without him there wouldn't be dr Wagner. there would be <laughs> <laughs> no you're, you're yeah i i mean you're talking about somebody who i mean you're talking about a box office draw you're talking about somebody who had a long track record yeah. you're talking about i mean there's a he's a bona fide legend yeah. i mean there's no question the other one that it I, while i wouldn't say it's to the point of being a shoe in the way Dr. Wagner Sr. is, is Viano 3, I think, should be in. Yeah, I know. Seriously. I mean, that guy... But I think, I think we've said that for, like, the last six, seven years. I yes, think. we have. I I don't know why people don't give him the nod. I mean, it, it's fascinating that here are five brothers, and specifically brother number three... Is the best one. Yeah. Memorable just, one. Yeah, memorable one. I mean... Uh, I mean, you think about two very, you know, cornerstone matches in Lucha Libre. There was the famous Vianos versus Brazos mask versus mask match in, yeah. was it 1988? Somewhere around that time. I mean, that, I, I mean, that was a very famous match. I mean, yeah, that I was mean. box office gold. And then when he dropped the mask to Atlantis. Yeah, that, that turned the corner to the next the next generation of lucha fans yes and oh i remember seeing him in tijuana 
And, and then you think about all the great feuds and matchups he had, all the titles he held. I mean, the titles is one thing. Like, you know, it's a gimmick. But the feuds, I mean, mm-hmm. you're, you just mentioned two. And then there's still the Benoit feud. Yes. There's the Rambo feud, which is probably the most underrated feud in all of Lucha Libre. Just because nobody ever gave. Rambo. In fact, I in fact I very I know very little Rambo, about it. I mean, Rambo as a worker. I mean, a guy mm-hmm. who probably never got enough credit as what he could do in the ring. I mean, here's a guy who actually trained some of the Toriyaman guys. Yes, he was one of the guys who helped train those guys. Then you have um, his feud with Fishman, his feud with Paraguayo, mm-hmm. Sangre Chicana. He feuded with all the lighter weights in uh, Mexico during the all those years as a light heavyweight. Also, so he's a guy who actually. He he re- he feuded against different styles of wrestlers too. For some reason, like this he, is true. He was really he was really good at getting feuding with. You could put him with anybody. And he could have a great feud with. This is person. true. Oh, I remember uh, a number you know years ago when Billy Anderson was still wrestling regularly in Tijuana. Um, you know, as one of the mercenaries, I asked him of all the Mexican guys who are your favorites to work with, and he said the Vianos. Plus, he, the Vianos were great guys too. Mm-hmm, yes, Vianos three, great guy. Yes, and I, I mean. So over with the crowd. I mean, I don't know who to compare his popularity with in America, but I mean, the crowd just, I mean, a natural baby face. But he was always like a in, in between heel and baby mm-hmm. face. The night I saw him in Tijuana, I, 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 surprisingly, I forget who he was in a match with, but it was a six man tag, and they were shooting for mask versus mask angle. I believe the guy he was wrestling was one of the local TJ boys. Uh-huh. But at the end of the mask, the match, his mask was carved up to where you could see three quarters of his oh, face. Oh, his forehead. His yeah. forehead and his chin. Yeah. He had geek marks on his chin. I mean, that alone should put you in the Hall of Fame because you actually did that stuff. I mean, supposedly, you ha- I think one of the things, criteria is that you have to get, have given back to the business. I mean, this guy gave his face to the Yeah, <laughs> yes, yes. He carved his face. So well put. I mean... And the crowd, I mean... The crowd was going nuts when this happened. I mean, the people were popping big. I mean, like, they did not like seeing him getting butchered like that. And another thing, he's a great dancer. <laughs> Let's not forget that one, that one uh, segment where he's dancing with the bariquas, the pierrot and all that. Ah, so if, we, so if, so if you do book, you, your dance yeah, partner will be Viana Tercero. Another guy, um, Cien Caras. What do you, where, where do you stand with Cien Caras? Considering you're somebody who might have seen him like in his prom, I like actually in his early days. believe it or not, I uh, the third wrestling show I no the fourth wrestling show I ever attended live, I saw him team with Victor Rivera at the uh-huh. Olympic in 1977. Wow! Against the Hangman and Roddy Piper. So you're basically the the only person voting who should decide on Cien Caras. Uh yeah, yeah, <laughs> and because I'm me, because I am Vandal Drummond, I should else, be able to vote on. I have last word on everything. Everybody, everybody else saw um, Sam. Well, I think Dave might have seen Sam. Yeah, also earlier. Uh, he he was one of those guys. Even when he wasn't that strong a technical worker, I thought Just had a, he had his, a charisma about charisma, him. His charisma was what carried him. Yeah, I, I, b- believe it or not, one of you know next to the uh, Eddie Guerrero and Art Bar versus Octagon and Santo match at the you know. The AAA pay per view years yeah. ago. I remember, was it the match with Conan and Paraguayo? Yeah, where the Dinamitas came ran out. Yeah, that got such a huge pop, and I, deservedly so. I, there was such fire in Cien Caras's face. He just had charisma. Like that's the one thing you could say that he had a like. He, he actually had a look that you were like, oh shit, here comes Cien Caras. Yes, but I mean, when once he got old, it was like, oh god, come it on. was. 
the, the and the one thing I remember him that I really admired about him was the anniversary show when he dropped his mask to Rio de Jalisco Jr. Yeah. If somebody told me that somebody could make Rio de Jalisco Jr. shine. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I mean, that was a good match. Was Rio really that bad even when he was younger? I thought he sucked. Yeah. I thought he sucked big time. Because he was very, like, his moveset was very similar to what he, dis- what he yeah. does now, basically. Well, you know, the old term. skinnier, but, I mean, it wasn't, it still wasn't something like, I just think, like, during his, when he was around, there were so many other guys who were so much better. There were. Well, also, you know, whenever you use that, you know, the age-old term, uh, he's as good as a guy he's working with. Yeah. He would look good if he was in with somebody really well. But most of the times I saw him, it was in six-man tags. So, yeah. so I mean, it's not like you're going to get, like, a full Right. I, I love seeing him work with Jelly, Jerry Estrado because I love the way Jerry Estrado would sell for his moves. Yeah. Like when he did the little, you know, when he did the... Uh, arm drag lock up and would do the little dance. Uh-huh. Jerry Jerry Estrada would look down at his feet and try to keep up with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, seriously, I, I love that. Yeah. So when uh, when right my other dance partner Jerry Estrada. Yeah, that's right. That's right. He's, he's probably doing poor health right now. So. Yeah, that's really I sad. I should have mentioned. That. God, what <laughs> he a, probably yeah. can't dance anymore. So yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, so CM, would you vote for him? Yeah, yeah, yes, I would. Um, okay, who else? Karloff Lagarde. You're a bit of a historian, but bit of a historian. I he's he's to me. He seems like somebody that Steve or somebody who's been around would have to do a little research and like then decide if he was worth it. Yeah, well, you know, it'd be interesting to see. But I mean, you read about him, and it's like just an amazing guy. I mean, just a great worker. He was, and all the feuds you see, all this when you start seeing his matches. He met, he wrestled Blue Demon. He wrestled Hijo San, um, I mean Santo. He wrestled Cory Guerrero. He wrestled all these guys. You're like, holy shit! Yeah, in, like in fact, solitario. In, in fact, I don't know what the criteria was when. I mean, it was interesting. It's interesting if you look at you know Mexico's history of who held what championship. Yeah. And I have no idea what criteria was held for giving somebody a really lengthy championship run if it was drawing power if it was who was the booker but i was looking at the nwa welterweight history recently and when it got to carla flagarde he had an extraordinarily long run one of the lengthiest and i i I, that was in the 50s i don't know if that was his drawing power you know like in mexico a lot of the cmll like i guess that's technically part of cmll back Mm -hmm. then um they hold belts for a long time. Certain guys. Yeah, and I think that was effective. Yeah. Well, um, in fact, Ultima Girl held it for like fifteen years. What? <laughs> <laughs> like really? No, no, he only held it for. Like, okay, I don't think he's two, been around for two, fifteen two and years. Two and a half years. But you, you know, it's it's interesting. When I was uh, just looking at the welterweight history, I was noticing. Well, one back then they gave guys generally lengthier reigns, but you see. Like uh, Santo or Blue Demon holding it for a few years, and then boom, you get to Carlo Flagarde, and he had it for I can't remember. Like I want to say four or five. I'd, wow! I'll have to look at it again. I but 
maybe that's an exaggeration, but I remember being just shocked at what a lengthy yeah, run they yeah. gave him. I think it was because I, I started writing something. You know, about it, so. and that's one of those that's one of those historical things where yeah, you can't judge a guy by watching tapes of him because I know I There's, bet you tons of stuff exists, but we're never going to yeah, see them. Yeah, they're in the vaults of and the I TV think, studios. I think it's pretty obvious when you see a black and white video like in ni- a nineteen ninety nine nineteen ninety show. They'll have a black. Remember, they used to show the black. And yes, white they'd have a clip, clip each week, and you're like, "There's some something up. Something they have stuff in some sort of." Yes, I mean, unless they got rid of it. From what I it. understand, in uh, the Galvision Studios is because I know they have a lot of boxing. Yeah, well, I, from what I understand is is that they have all their wrestling. They have everything, but nothing leaves the Galvision Studio. To, I think we need to go there and like invade it. And there we go. Let's let's uh, get in our commando yeah. gear. We'll we'll Come storm in, that like, place. Steal all that stuff. Oh, what I would give to be able to get my hands on well, those. Huracan Ramirez is another guy. Um, just on his celebrity status alone, I think he'd be yeah. in. They seem um, like so obvious, like these guys. But then you hear like these American, like the guys who don't know anything about them, mm-hmm. and then like they feel a need to vote for Lucha. It's like. You guys never saw Huracan Ramirez and don't really know the full effect of him in the culture, I mean. Yeah. Because I think, I think that's what a lot of people miss. And while he was no El Santo, he, he did have some... Clothes. Yeah, he had some movie yeah. celebrity to him. And, yeah. and I I cannot think of any wrestler who has been imitated. I mean, there's yeah, been more... Wait, how many Huracan Ramirez's have we met in the industry? Dozens. I know. There, 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 there's, there's, <laughs> there was at least... We've at least seen two different guys in the last... Like it, ten years, like it, just here locally. Yeah, Huracana Ramirez's they breed like rabbits. Yeah, they're everywhere. So well, you know why? Because I guess they don't own the, like the guy who owns the rights. They never settled it or something, and I guess there's like a weird like interesting. I don't know. I mean, he, but he, uh, I think I I would lay odds he's the most duplicated wrestler in history. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I would take points for is you know when you saw him without his mask that that hairpiece <laughs> that hairpiece hair i swear you know the other thing i think might go against him is that there were other guys who were like bigger stars than him because i think when, mm-hmm. you, when you look at the list of all the, the all-time greats in mexico i think because of his era there's basically santo yes there's um blue demon mil mascaras is kind of in, in that well, yes mil mascaras is from there, during that era and then you have carbonario galindo yes who's I think Carbonario Galindo, a lot of people missed the whole point with him because they start thinking, oh, well, he was just a, he just was the brawler and bloody people. Oh, like, they miss I, it. But I think, I think you have to talk to people who grew up around next, like, like generations of Lucha fans where they can tell you like these weird um, mythic stories about um, Carbonario Galindo. It's so true. Where, it's very where, true. And that's when you get the effect of Carbonario Galindo uh, and not, and you can't compare him to like current, like Russell. You can't say like, Oh well, Doctor Wagner Junior is kind of the same way because he's he's a healer or something. Mm. It's it's not the same thing. You're, you're, I mean, you're talking Cavernario Galindo. You're talking about somebody who, along with Gory Guerrero, made bloodbaths pat popular. Yeah. I mean, made them legend. Yeah. Uh, in fact, you know, before I got back into Lucha Libre in uh, like the mid '80s, a friend of Elena's, a guy who was in his 30s, w- talked about. When he went to college in Mexico, he, you know, he said he was casually interested in wrestling, didn't follow it, but he said his college buddies found out that El Santo and Cavanario Galindo were going to wrestle each other. It was, I guess, I guess it was the first time they had wrestled each other in years, and they yeah. actually like took a flight, like f- 
went to the airport, hopped on a plane to go see them wrestle, wow. just to see Santo and Cofernario. Wow. Was this like something like years later or something? Like yeah, it was like the early seventies. Oh, okay. So you know, must have, they must have already been like through that whole thing. But yeah, because Santo and uh, Cofernario had well, first they were tag team partners yeah. when Santo was a heel, and then. Uh, you know their feud was legendary, and you know Galindo was in so many of Santo's movies, either as his opponent or as uh, you know one of the thugs or zombies or because yeah, him and uh, Frankenstein were the guys that yes Nathaniel Leone Frankenstein. Yeah, Frankenstein should he be a Hall of Famer? <laughs> oh, if if it was my choice alone, is I'd... Wolf, Wolf Ravinsky in the Hall of Fame. I think he is. Uh, he sh- if he isn't, he should be. I think he is. I can't remember. I have to look at the list. Because he's actually somebody who should actually be in. He, I mean, he was uh, Lucha Libre's ultimate renaissance yeah, man. He was like the he was like the classiest guy you could ever like. Just that yes. alone was like just an amazing guy. Yeah. And I know Dan Farron's probably rolling his eyes, but a uh, place you can see both Wolf Ruvinsky and Cavernario Galindo is in the movie La Ultima Lucha. It's <laughs> like, oh god, I gotta hear this. I bring time. it out a uh, hundred times, but in case nobody's heard me rave about what a great movie it is. It's the best wrestling movie I've ever seen, and the wrestling scenes in it uh, are second to none yeah. ever. Rita Romero was in it too. You know who else is? Um, Doctor Morales is in the ballot too. And why? And I think I think that's that's one of the like I explained it to. Um, I explained it on the Lucha blog that I I think a lot of that is going to be an issue because people kind of don't understand the impact he has on Lucha Libre, mm-hmm. the language barrier. But I think a lot of people like will point him out as a guy who was like Gorilla Monsoon or something like that. Oh, that's and it's like that's a terrible way. Doctor Morales is more like Chick Hearn, yes. Vince Scully, um, a guy like that. A Lance Russell in Memphis, a guy who actually like sold product and like fans. Fans grew up with him basically as 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 the announcer. Exactly. I I remember when I started watching Lucha on Galavision. He was it, on there. He was on there. It was 1989, and you he was know, on he, there before that. He was on there like in 1980, still. Yeah, and well, you know, me, you know, uh, you know me. I speak no Spanish, but yeah. uh, I was making trips to Tijuana. Uh, I would usually go with uh, Physico, Steve Gerber, uh, you know, sometimes Dan Farron, um, and Pat Hoed, who uh, people know was Larry Rivera from XPW. XPW. You know, he's been a wrestling fan since he was a kid, you know, little kid going to the Olympic. But he, by that point, had been watching Lucha Libre on Galavision for several years. Because even before it was on, you know, the public, not the public stations, but, you know, standard TV. Yeah, he, yeah, he had yeah. a satellite or a cable where he's able to uh, get Lucha Libre. Just splice it into something. <laughs> and I'll, yeah, exactly. <laughs> And I'll never forget. I, in fact, I, I think we were driving to San Bernardino Arena for the wind tapings. I remember him telling me and Fizzy, "Just God, I wish you guys could speak Spanish because yeah, there's nothing like listening to Alfonso Morales narrate a match and would bring frequent references to historical figures in lucha history." In a way that even somebody who's watching the show for the first time can pick up on. Yeah, and, and I think that's where a lot of like the the uh, English speaking crowd isn't going to get it. Yes, they just come, assume oh he's just like these other guys because I think the other guy who kind of the announcers Arturo Rivera is the other guy. Mm-hmm. But I think where they separate each other were whereas Rivera will do all the like stick stuff, mm-hmm. and sometimes he'll stick to that stuff. Morales is basically he's just that, and then like 
Like, you know how mm-hmm. Lance Russell, people would be like, how he would react to heels? Yes. That's exactly how Morales would react to Really? Heels. Like, he, you know, like, I remember when, when he, like, guys would come in and do, like, their interviews, he'd, like, go away because he was so upset at them. Mm. Oh, that's great. So, I mean, I always I always thought he was in he, he should be, and there's no reason he shouldn't be Brandon in. Brandon Mata's also another nominee. And I think he's a guy who, I think people kind of just group him into the Japan list, and they don't yes. realize. I was listening to this podcast on the Figure mm-hmm. 4 show, and they were talking about how, well, Gran Amada, I mean, you can't put him in because he, he didn't come in. There was Tiger Mask before him mm-hmm. and then Ultimo Dragon after. And I'm like, well, you know, that's incorrect because Tiger Mask and Gran Amada came in like at about the same time. Mm-hmm. Gran Amada was easier to work with and had far better matches in Mexico. Yes. And then Ultimo Dragon really didn't do as much as Gran Amada did in Mexico. I mean, I think... That's a good point. I mean, I think a lot of people are unaware of just Gran Amada's influence. I mean... In probably, Mexico, yeah, the, probably the, the, I mean, the most enjoyable guy to watch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Weaver from the Japanese guys. I actually saw him live on a on a number of shows, and when I went with uh, Meltzer to Japan, oh, Japan, he was he was on the. See, I think that's Japan the thing. tour. People, people remember Hamada from that nineteen ninety ninety one yeah era, and they don't remember him from the because they didn't watch yeah. it. Then. We were blown away what amazing shape that guy was in at his age. Yeah, I I mean. That guy was in the shape of like a twenty-year-old. Yeah, and he was already like in late thirties, early forties. Probably, probably, yeah, like well into his forties. Yeah, I he's, mean, he's in his sixties right now. Yeah, no, he was no spring chicken. I mean, yeah. um, and while Paraguay wasn't a strong worker, the other thing I was thinking on that tour is see that guy works his he worked his butt off. Paraguay was really good, like up until like as he got older. I mean, cause yeah. he was really good up until eighty-six. Yeah, and they started slowing down a little bit. He slowed down, but when he needed he was doing the brawling, he was doing the brawling. It's true, but when when he needed to turn it on, like when he had his feud with Conan, yeah, he really took turned it. On. I mean, he took bumps that usually the younger. When I saw him taking bumps for much younger guys, I thought the younger guys should be taking the bumps for him. See, and, but and, he's he was taking their bumps. And I the mean, thing is, like, he didn't have to take anything because the fans are so into it. He could they actually love just him. He could have a shitty match, and he, I'll say like the Dinamitas could have shitty matches, and people would still go. That's true. Mil Mascaras can have a shitty match, still go. And the way uh, Aguayo bled, I mean, oh, he would bleed to his boots. I mean, you had sympathy. I mean, I think he just bled as soon as he. Oh, I, th- <laughs> I think he's like, I think he's like Dusty Rhodes. I think he had a blading fetish yeah. almost, where yeah. he, I think he loved to bleed. Uh, there should be a top ten foreheaded list. Like somebody. That's a great idea. Top ten worst foreheads: Abdullah the Butcher, number Aguayo, one, and um, Viano three. Viano three should get a special award for you know carving chin, a roadmap man. all throughout his face. That guy just that's yeah. disgusting. How did how did he get married? <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess there's. People well, I mean, who have a, yeah. a fetish for everything. I guess some, some women adore a, big, a carved up face. Big wrestling fan, and then once she fell in love with his personality, she yeah. was like, "Oh, okay." Well, it, it's it's so funny because you know, again, going back to Cavernario Galindo, I always, I always thought when I, I looked how it, it wasn't that his face was ugly, but he had scarring. I guess I guess scarring was ugly guy already. Yeah, but. In his prime, he had this magnificent physique. Yeah. And the I kept saying, he reminds me of a something a cartoonist drew, but I couldn't put my face on it. And then I thought of Robert Crumb's illustration of a character he called the Devil Girl, who just had this 
you know, big but knockout body, but this demonic face. And I just sat there saying, oh, my God, I I, I would love to write Robert Crumb and send him a picture of Cavernaro Galindo. Have him have a comic where he marries Devil Girl. (laughs) Everybody, everybody uh, who's listening to this, do a Google search for images of Devil Girl by Robert Crumb, and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. She had that classic physique that Robert Crumb dreams of, the girl with the, the big round butt and, you know, the big thick legs, but this face that just was evil. Yeah. And I thought they would make such a great item. What else is on the belly? I can't remember. I'm going to... In fact... Uh, I think that's all there is. Maybe, uh, yeah. On the next show... I think the Slam and show, we'll talk about all the... Yeah, we'll talk about the other ones. Yeah, because I think there's there's so many guys on the belt that if you start <laughs> talking about everybody, we're not going to finish. Yes. So I think that's... I think we should call it a yes. show. <laughs> well, I hope you folks enjoyed it. Kurt's got to go take a nap. I got to go take a long nap because I have to get ready for work tomorrow. Hi. So you people have fun out there and thank you for listening. We will see you next time.